Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's Creative Control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Yeah, Denver, what's up? How are you? Yeah. Hope you enjoyed those straight white guys. I like to give them a shot. They don't get a lot of jobs these days, so it's just how I like to do outreach in the community. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Rhea Butcher is a remarkably funny comedian, actor, writer, and podcast host currently based in Los Angeles, California. Originally from Akron, Ohio, Butcher has toured relentlessly as a stand-up and has performed on TV shows like Conan, Two Dope Queens, Ellen, and The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail, among others, and is also well-regarded for recurring acting roles and for co-creating the hit show Take My Wife. A huge baseball fan, Butcher also helms their own baseball and culture podcast, 
called Three Swings, which you can find on most podcast platforms. Following the chart-topping success of Butcher, their 2016 debut live album, they are back with an excellent new record called Pull Yourself Up By Your Bootleg, which was recorded before a Denver audience pre-pandemic and is available now via the label A Special Thing. At the end of February 2021, Rhea and I had a good chat about pandemic life, politicization and empathy, American politics, the modern Republican Party, and the news media, Steve Albini, Fugazi, Chicago, and the punk rock visual artist Jay Ryan, U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, and how logic and righteousness can be downplayed or even vilified, transphobia and heteronormativity, baseball and comedy, their new album, and much, much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Chad Van Galen plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 604th episode of Creative Control featuring the brilliant and funny Rhea Butcher with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Rhea. How's it going? Hi, Vish. Pretty good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. It's nice to uh, finally get to speak with you. I'm a fan, and uh, oh, so first nice. of all, I'd like to ask people where in the world they are. So where in the world are you today? Oh, yeah. Um, first of all, really nice to be here, and great to see you. I am in Los Angeles, California. I'm in Eagle Rock, Highland Park, Los Angeles, California. Now, how are things going in Los Angeles? We've been hearing uh, not great reports, uh, given the COVID stuff, obviously. Yeah. Uh, is it really bad still? I mean, you know, that that is a question that I get all the time, and... It's. I'm sure you can relate because you're also in this pandemic with me, where where you are, you know, where you're like, <laughs> you you. I have uh, an understanding that it is bad, but my experience of my external life in, you know, which is minimal these days, I don't see it and I don't experience it. Does not mean it's not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I felt like for a while. It was getting closer into my circle of people that I knew and familiarity uh, were getting it or knowing somebody that got it. So I definitely take it incredibly seriously. And I just say that because it's like it's part of the experience It's just is just knowing and seeing and believing, even though it's not physically happening to you or somebody close yeah. to you. But I think that the numbers are getting better, but. It, it just seems like something that is kind of being ignored. <laughs> you know, I don't know. People have gotten yeah. very loose out here just day to day, you know? Yeah, I was talking to someone, a uh, musician uh, earlier today about climate change. Uh, yeah. They are particularly obsessed with climate change on their new record and, and generally. And uh, I was trying to draw a parallel because I, I as we've lived through this pandemic, I've thought about this like, Mm-hmm. The way people are reacting to the pandemic, which is urgent and immediate in terms of fact, fiction, I accept right. this truth. I seems doesn't it seem kind of similar to the climate change stuff on some oh, level? Oh, it's the like, exact same thing. Yeah, 
and they're incredibly related, you know, yeah, to me. Exactly. Like health and well-being. Yeah. Yeah, health and well-being, and then also you know encroaching on natural habitats and just like the the ecotone of man and nature and like the belief that we like I just watched my octopus teacher have you seen that no I haven't no I oh haven't. man I highly recommend I was like I'm, I'm like a big animal person you know <laughs> we are also animals and so I was like hesitating to watch it because I knew it was gonna affect me you know Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I don't know if I can be that affected right now. <laughs> I'm like barely holding it together. And then when I finally did watch it, I was like, oh, yes, this is I, I needed to be affected this way because it was being affected in a way that I did not expect. And like, I thought I knew what it was going to be and I didn't. And, you know, I think climate change as well as pandemics is at least my experience of it is that it's not out there. It's not like this thing that's out there, even though I just said like my experience of it, I'm not seeing it. It is inside. It is we are in it and it is in us like there's no like compartmentalization of it you know and that is to me like a sort of capitalist thinking a sort of patriarchal thinking a sort of whatever you want to point you know colonization thinking that anything can be fit into any one thing and just sort of opening up my understanding that like i think everybody has their passions you know like the the person you were talking to is like this is what what they believe is the most important thing and i respect that and i value that and then i think this is the most important thing and we all work together you know towards all the important things you know but yeah it's all it's all incredibly related there's nothing that is unrelated on this planet or universe (laughs) yeah I, i agree and i do think that some of the denial like it's interesting there's climate deniers and there's right. pandemic deniers. And I feel like yes. what's sort of the layers of fear involved in just saying that's not happening. Yeah. Like, I don't right. know if that's like we kind of I do take the sort of knee jerk like what an idiot or what a capitalist stooge. But then I'm like, yeah. maybe they're just so deathly afraid. Scared. Yeah. Uh-huh. that They can't acknowledge yeah. it. It's just pure denial and anxiety. But it's manifesting itself as this bravado of like, you don't know what you're talking about. So I. Yeah, always. Is that too empathetic? I feel like I'm being. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that, here's the thing, Vish, and it is it is hard to accept and and believe and do, but you can never be too empathetic. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, you just can't. And I feel like so often my brain wants to jump to, you know, like oh, I can't be emp- empathetic to the person that's oppressing me, and it's like actually that is the thing. It yeah. just doesn't mean that they have to be the first person that I'm empathetic. <laughs> like like my empathy, you know. Uh, circumvents someone who is also oppressed and goes towards that person. Does that is that making sense? Yeah. I feel like we so often are like, well, you gotta, it's like, I can have empathy for that person in that moment by not giving up my own humanity by calling them an idiot. Right. That's enough. That's that, enough. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't have to go to their house and feed them and, you know, I can just leave them alone. You know, I can give them what I wish they would do for me, I guess. I agree. I agree. I think the issue we're having is that this is a collective, these are collective calamities. And when someone, you want to be empathetic towards people and try to see where they're coming from. And certainly those of us on the left, maybe do that maybe a bit more. That's a broad generalization, but we try to see other people's points of view. But then at the same time, like I say, this is a collective calamity. So the empathy kind of goes out the window when you see someone behaving or advocating for selfish behavior where it's really self-serving and you're like what mm-hmm. like don't you understand this all of us are in on this like you go to these concerts right. or you put on these concerts <laughs> like you're setting us i've talked to musicians who are like 
someone I forget who it was. It was like Smash Mouth or someone a few months ago put out. Yeah, a, yeah. We we're putting on a concert and a musician. It was like, well, there's another five months I've lost in my own practice because these right. people need to gather. So that's where I'm like, I am empathetic. I don't get me wrong. I'm. A, I try to be. A yeah. Good- oh, I. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it just it's it's a practice, you know, yeah. it really is. It's like I don't put my energy towards those people before I put it towards myself and for other people who are doing it, the, the for lack of a better word, the right way or whatever. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like all the people who are, you know, <laughs> participating in active like <laughs> for profit bigotry. Yes. You know? Yes. Those folks. I look, I would not want to put my head on that pillow. You know, like I they they are in a hell of their own making. I can't get them out of it. Yeah. And I can't change them. They have to be on their own path. They are absolutely causing damage. The only thing I'm in control of is the damage that I cause, you know. And so if I keep chasing those folks instead of practicing support and empathy for the people that I feel are uh, oppressed, you know, for the people that, in in my view, from my heart, from my mind, from my spirit, my soul, I'm like, well, this is very clear. If I'm putting more energy into trying to change the minds of bigots than I am trying to help my fellow, <laughs> then I I'm on the wrong path. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's it's all like we were saying. That's it's a closed system. Yeah. There's nothing that doesn't affect anything else. And to me, my energy is better served helping those in need rather than chasing the oppressors and trying to change their minds. Is this a, in any way a more recent realization? Because as we've all <laughs> observed your country, we've seen the rise of illogical right-wing forces across the planet now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at some point, I had Steve Albini on at the end of last year. Ooh. Who, do you know Steve from Shellac and record? I mean, I don't know him personally, right. but yeah, I know him from Shellac. Yeah, so Steve, uh, <laughs> I got a rambler in my yard. You know? <laughs> there you go. That's right. There you go. This is great. I can't wait to talk about punk rock with you because I didn't realize this was yeah, a common ground. Yeah, no, this is great. But Steve, you know, has articulated something that I, I've been mulling over because, as I sort of mm. generalized earlier, the tendency to empathize is to hear people out, and Steve just sort of resolutely was like. Can't, we can't reason with this GOP. We can't reason with these people anymore, the yeah. QAnon. Like, they're not reasonable. So that's out the window now. No. We neutralize them and we move mm-hmm. on together. I don't know if that's exactly what you were talking about, but it's sort of like I can only control it's, what I can control. And I, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not the same words. It's not. It's it's similar language. And it seems to me it's a, it's a similar thought where it's like, yeah. and, and Steve Albini has been experiencing, you know, as as a punk rock musician in an in, independent spirit, uh, you know, experiencing the 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 onslaught, even as like not an oppressed body as a, as a straight white man per se. Uh, I don't know his like socioeconomic background, but sure. to witness it from like the eighties and the nineties, like that guy knows the difference between it, and it's slim the margins are slim the difference between the 80s gop and the 2020s gop you know what i mean the margins are very yeah. slim they're not that different they've just like effectively branded better and they have a new tool that they have created a weapon out of which is the internet you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's all related it's not that much different it's just a little more powerful but i agree with him i don't even know if we can neutralize it I don't think we can actively, directly neutralize it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure, yeah. 
it's to me the 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 opposition to those forces to the the powers that be i'll even use that i'll even take oppressor off the table i'll even sure. get less <laughs> you know and turn it into the powers that be because it's not i mean we let's be real here if we're into punk rock it's not just the gop that's the problem that's so right. it's the powers that be um right. that keep us in this place the status this place yeah and the more i try to fight that way as opposed to love the other way the more energy i'm wasting I you know agree. and i'm continuing to play their game by their rules with their goalposts that continue to move yeah. you know it's just it's it's a it's a shell game it's a buster whatever his name is kicking or chaplain like kicking the hat out of the way you know right, buster right. keaton kicking the hat it's like i'm never going to grab the hat i don't even want the hat so why am I trying to grab the hat? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just want to keep walking, you know? Yeah. And that's what I want for other people. Or that's my hope for other people is to just right. walk freely, you know? It's difficult to do it, though. I mean, I, I, I assume you're... Like, I hear within what you're saying, like the GOP sort of weaponized the internet. Uh, as an American, I don't know what your exact feelings are now mm-hmm. that the Biden administration has sort of come into being and... They are the powers that be that you might be alluding to, I think. Uh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Uh, how are you feeling generally? Like we've talked, we've been very negative. Let's be fair. We've been a little negative. Like, <laughs> I, it's feel a neg- like, I feel like I've been pretty positive. No, you were positive. Though. You were positive. You know, I mean, I, I feel like yeah. you've been, you've also been positive. I yeah. think you're just questioning. Yes. So I don't mean to, I don't, I don't want to say no, that you're I'm, wrong because you're not, but I, I just, Vish, I don't, if, for where I sit, you're not being very negative. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. I, I was just making a joke, but do you feel <laughs> well, relatively, <laughs> I, were, you, were you, do you, are you feeling relatively okay now that the Biden administration is trying to do things? Do you feel, I know a lot of people on the left are like, Ugh, if it's got to be someone, uh-huh. it's got to be something. We got to get rid of whatever that was and move on to sure, something yeah. else. But I was also initially sort of heartened by some of the actions I was seeing from up here in Canada. Uh, as an American, yeah. as a firsthand witness, how are you feeling as we're speaking about uh, what this administration has been up to? <laughs> well, I guess first I would say I appreciate hearing your perspective and, you know, an outside of America perspective, because I think I probably needed it, you know, because <laughs> um, I think it's a it's a particularly American thing to not, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then yeah. be like, I'm so mad about it. But, um, you know, I try not to go too hard in either direction. Now, I was just talking with a friend losing my mind about Twitter. So I'm not coming in here like fully <laughs> zenned out of like, this is what... It's it's what I know and it's what I practice and I don't nail it every time. Sometimes right. you swing and you do not hit the ball, but you're standing in the box and you've got a bat in your hand, right. you know, like you're continuing the practice. I would say I am generally disappointed. However, I agree that clearly the the dude that we had before had to go. Yeah. But I guess I just am still hanging on to some you know, anger around the way we got to who we got to, that it seemed very obvious. And I feel like, oh, okay, you know, here was 2016 and now like learning again, seeing things with new eyes and stuff like that. I mean, there's definitely some things that he's done that are good. Yeah. You know, it's like, but I feel my worry, my concern, I guess, that I try not to get too caught up in is that I feel like the bar has been lowered so deeply into the ground in American politics, specifically the office of the president, which 
should not be as important as it has become. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we we as a people could participate way more in more local politics, and it could be less of a circus and a Hollywood production. But that's the way that it's gone. Yeah. That basically the things he's doing doing are raising us back up to zero. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So like. Uh, it's like one thing and then two steps back and then, you know, and I could name all of them or we could just talk in general terms. And I just, my, my biggest concern is the lack of movement towards actual, you know, material relief to struggling people yes. in this country. Yes. The lack of movement on that, the constant conversation about it, the means testing in the public and the fact that like all this work, all the, I mean, people literally put their lives on the line to go vote in this country yeah. and this is what they're being rewarded with. And that, that is probably what my, which is nothing. I mean, we have a vaccine. That's great. But these other things, it's incredibly frustrating. People are, it, it's bad. It's incredibly bad. You know, yeah. you asked me what it's like in Los Angeles. Well, I mean, people, I'm, I watch police, you know, tossing people's homes uh, into the trash and kicking them out of a park that yeah. they're living in. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, it's bad, yeah. you know? Yeah. And my big frustration with the Biden administration is he, he was very clear that he was going to not make big changes. And <laughs> this is not a time for no changes. Yeah. This is not a time to go back to 2014, you yeah. know, which wasn't even that great. <laughs> you know, it just is great compared to now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I sense from what you're saying that you maybe don't have a lot of, optimism about this moment in history inspiring real change in the way we do things because like from the top down yeah from the bottom up i have i have a ton of hope okay. and a ton of op okay. optimism from the bottom up because that's the only way that it works yeah. well even like for you instance know. i've been working from home since march and i know i mean you tend to be on the road probably mm -hmm. like you've just put out a record by the way fantastic record if i might say <laughs> Very <you>. funny. Sorry, <laughs> we got talking Thanks, about all that stuff. It. No, it's okay. We got yeah, into it. No, it, it's it's the way it happens sometimes. But the record's great. And normally, I would think you would want to be you. touring, you know, to support the record and to support your your craft. So yeah, I'm kind of bouncing around here. But how are, how is work going for you? You talked about people that are <laughs> struggling uh, to make ends meet, yeah. uh, potentially being evicted. Uh, I've talked to. I tend to talk to creative people, by and large. Those who I've spoken with have figured out little ways of changing how they do things and are kind of pleasantly surprised. You know, how many musicians who just mm -hmm. had a child don't have to hit the road uh, because they put out a record mm -hmm. and they're like, you know what? I was freaking out. And yeah, economically, it's weird, but I'm with my new baby. Like, I, I don't have to go on the road for two right. years. So yeah. are there bright spots for you in any of this? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that that is the thing. Like... I don't want to go, you know, too hard on the, you know, I'm pessimistic, I feel, towards the things that make sense, <laughs> I guess. But, um, you know, as to getting a 78-year-old year old man to, to worry about the future is going to be hard no matter if he's president or not. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. A 78-year-old white man is, is going to not, he just wants to eat Werther's and sit on his porch. You know what <laughs> so I mean? So, like... Very weird systems we gonna... have with these old people. <laughs> I know. Most people, you retire, <laughs> like 60, 65, you're I done. Know. You get the hardest job Why? in the world? I don't understand when you're 78. Yeah. 
it's 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 to me pure insanity the fact yeah. that ageism only works the one way like there's no reason why we shouldn't continually have 35 year old presidents yeah, you know I agree. Um, <laughs> sorry i mean and i don't want to I, I also don't want to be you know a young man yelling at old man yelling at clouds either so um <laughs> i don't want to get into that russian doll but there yes I, it's it's like there is balance to everything you know like i don't I don't get to do stand-up. I've done some Zoom shows and stuff like that. It's a totally different thing than going and traveling to someone else's home and experiencing them and where they're at and meeting them there and being in a live place. I will willingly wait until it is safe to do that, you know? I miss it tremendously. It's given me a lot of perspective on how much I loved it and how big of a part of my life it was, that it wasn't just my job. And now I, you know, I am have a, a more gratitude for it. I also am grateful that I had a recording that was like decent enough to put out and I didn't have to put anybody's life at risk to do it. And I got to let go of some material and get a little less precious about it and just do it and just put it out, you know, and I don't have to be gone all the time and I don't have to be trying to fit everything in and like the pace of life has given me a ton of perspective, you know? I feel like I've reconnected with people in my life in a way that I maybe wouldn't have done otherwise, you know? And there are a ton of silver linings in this. And each thing, I just try not to be completely blocked by either, you know? Like, head in the clouds and everything's fine and great. Everybody should be having a great time. What a long weekend. (laughs) And also, head completely in the ground. Everything's over. Life is done. Total nihilism. It's like the middle path... Not the moderate yeah, path, yeah, yeah. but the middle yeah, yeah. path. <laughs> I hear you. I feel like politics has overrun our lives in such a way that you can't even say, like, I, moderation is a good thing. You know what I mean? T- like, moderation is a good thing in a life, in an experience, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about politics. Yeah. <laughs> because to me, moderation is universal health care. It is, you know, uh, educa- publicly funded education. Like, that is moderation to me. You know, so yeah, everything but- is in the eye of the beholder. I agree with you, but from your perspective, which, uh, you know, I appreciate it in your comedy and, and in this conversation and other interviews I've seen and heard you do, but like from your perspective, what is your take on why literally everything becomes <laughs> politicized, particularly in your mm. country? I can't tell if it's an yeah. offshoot of media, you know? Yes. Uh, or what? Like, even like, so as we're speaking, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the state of it is at the moment, Texas. You know, snowed under, power gone. You know, they have an independent power grid, which I didn't even know that you could do that. They're like the only state. And so then the leaders are like, this is the green energy. Just like your whole state is suffering. Yeah, they don't have it. And your whole state is suffering. They don't have green (laughs) energy. And you take your, your pulpit, you take your soapbox, and you use it to simply politicize something that has nothing. It's just, Why? Does this keep happening? Like, that's what I'm frustrated yeah. by. I thought my hope, because I felt like on a, when the, I was going to say election day, but whenever the Biden thing happened where they were like, he won. <laughs> yeah, I, right. felt, I felt a lightness. <laughs> I felt like a tonal shift person. Sure. As a Canadian, yeah. like, I'm not even American. And then like this, yeah. this sort of thing happens or Cruz goes to Mexico. You're just like, what Cancun. the hell? What is going I on? Know. So why do you have any perspective on that? Why does everything become 
politicized in your country at the in your country in particular it feels yeah. like I don't, I don't mean to asper- right. cast aspersions no please please cast aspersions because <laughs> i mean it's like a fish in water it's like i do I, I feel that yeah but it's hard to know especially now because i literally cannot travel right you know so oh i see you appreciate uh, have, my perspective basically is what you're saying or Canadian oh yeah, yeah 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 that's what I, it is i just don't do i, I mean, don't get it I, yeah, I would appreciate your perspective regardless of a pandemic. Well, I appreciate <laughs> but that. I especially appreciate it now because, like, you know, as as an American, like, we tend to not travel. We tend to not take in person other perspectives. We think we're the greatest country in the world. And, like, why would we go anywhere else? Yeah. So as much as I, you know, work towards my own, you know, liberation and all those things, I've been indoctrinated with that. So it's helpful mm. to hear those things and to know, like, okay, I'm not crazy. This is true. Um, but I mean, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on that. It's just that, you know, like, I think, I mean, Canada is a colonized country as well. So I'm not, we're not better. We're the same. We're very, and we're copying you a lot, but it's just not as. A lot. We have a lot of similarities. It's just not the same. And I don't know. And maybe, maybe this is one thing that I can point to. Cause that was simply just like a roots thing. And yeah, sure. Um, that there's, so (laughs) Uh, this guy, I think his name is Rick Perlstein. He's written a series of books, uh, and most of them are about Republican leaders. So there's one called, uh, there's one about uh, Reagan, the rise of Reagan. There's one about Goldwater, I think. And then the one that I got into and then just could not do it because it was like, I can't put this in my actual body anymore. It's called Nixon Land. Oh. And so you can see the threads of all this stuff that has already been happening. It's continued to happen. It's not new, but I think what you're talking about is the heightened extreme politicization of everything. And you mentioned the media, which I think is also important that obviously the media in America has always had a bent and a, their aim has been to sell you things. Television was invented for commercials (laughs) and the shows were created to sell you products. So, as much as that sounds like a conspiracy theory, it's just tr- neutrally true. Yeah. So, like, it has always had that, you know. However, FDR, who I do not, like, stand in any way. I'm not one of those, like, l- you know, left people who thinks he's, you know, the greatest king we ever had. Right. One thing that he did do is that he uh, implemented the Fairness Doctrine. Right. On his way out of, or, like, right after World I War II to yeah. prevent yeah. specifically Hitler in this country. Or the rise of fascism in this country. So what it was briefly is just that if you're presenting information as news or as fact, or if you're presenting opinion, you had to have a, a, a an equal opposite opinion. You couldn't just present opinion as fact. And so one of the last things that Reagan did in 1987, leaving office, was to rescind the Fairness Doctrine. So... Almost a calendar year after that, you get Rush Limbaugh and then you get Fox News. So you can, that is an inflection point to me. Right. Like, definitely this has been happening since white people were given free land in this country to just pillage the land and find gold. But if you want to get real specific about the, the new modern contemporary fire behind it, that to me is the point where you go, this is where it went off the rails. This is where it became imbalanced. This is where an opinion, conspiracy theories, super anti-LGBT, anti-immigrant, anti-woman, anti-everything could be run as fact. 
on Fox News and Rush Limbaugh, and you didn't have the FDA was not or not the FDA. <laughs> the, the, nobody was going to come after you. The feds were not going to come after you and say you can't run the show. FCC, I think. FCC, the FCC. thank you. Yeah, yeah. What a classic so, American. It's funny. I was, <laughs> I was watching. I rewatched for some strange reason just last night. Rush Limbaugh's 93 appearance on Letterman (laughs) and he was bloviating and like, I'm the truth. Like he was kind of saying that sort of stuff. Like you only have to listen to me and you invoked Fox news who employed with, I think, well, I think they must have thought it was a troll. They said they were fair and balanced. That was their big slogan. That was always fair and balanced news. And, but there was always the opposite. So anyway, this is like going to lead us down a a crazed rabbit hole, but like (laughs) the trolling, the GOP, you mentioned the internet, but the trolling that we've undergone from the right for so long of them saying one thing, doing another, being complete hypocrites, but brazen, just the brazen lying, the brazen hypocrisy over the past. Well, let's, let's go for it. 30 years, maybe at least, at least I can't. Yeah, at I least. Think that, I mean, and, and then we don't. Sorry, as a voting populace, I don't understand why we don't learn from the mistakes. You mentioned Nixon threads, cycles of history. Like, it's not easy or not difficult to see how, when say, I'm just going to pick your country. A Republican sure. government is in place. They leave it in shambles. The economy, everything's fucked. And then the Democrats come in and they're like, Ah, okay, we can't. We got to fix this. Yeah. I, well, they can't do anything, but they ultimately they do. They try to like, you know, when I think about some of the Democratic, uh, you know, ruling parties in the last few years in your country, they do have to clean up the mess and they do. You, they leave with surpluses and these other guys. Anyway, why doesn't anyone learn from this? The politicization <laughs> is one thing, but the fact that they just repeat sure. bad history. Anyway, this is maybe well, beyond I mean, our I pay guess grade. I- yeah, I, I, I will say in this conversation, though, I just don't blame the voters, you know, because right. the, the thing that the Democrats don't do. Yes, there's a surplus. How did they get the surplus? By bipartisan deregulization, right. agreeing right. with Republicans, uh, compromising consistently and not putting the voting populace ahead of corporate interests. They just don't like we, yeah. we could, you know, that is a thing that I definitely, I would always look at as a thing that my mom told me. Like, I voted Democrat in resistance to, surrounded by Republicans, and eventually I just have gotten to a place, and I think I personally found some complacency uh, yeah. when Obama was elected, because I was like, holy shit, we did it. I never thought I would see <laughs> exactly. this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I literally never thought we were going to do this. And also, that guy, pretty cool in 2008. Like, a lot of the stuff he wanted to do, pretty cool. And then... Yes, I will agree that the Republicans really drove it into the ground, but there were opportunities there that were not taken, you know, bipartisanship over everything. Joe Biden was vice president. He was in his ear telling him, you got to do this, you got to do that. And and this brings me back to my uh, the earlier thing we were talking about, which is who am I doing things for? Like, first and foremost, I'm doing it for me, you know, but. Where where is that flow going? Is it going towards compromise with people who would have me die in the street, or is it towards the people who might be dying in the street? And right. so I just not that I not that I'm so powerful that I'm saving anybody from that, but I just literally mean saving the energy, understanding where it maybe needs to go, like the Steve Albini thing. It's like it does not. It, it's I'm putting it in the wrong place, you know. So I yeah. I, I personally am paying more attention to local elections. I I, I think that's the way to go. You actually feel like you have some influence there, and yeah. it's very defeating and it's very difficult and it's still just as frustrating however you know that is actually gonna affect me a lot more than the president 
and yes. it could have some effect sooner down the line, you know. Exactly, yeah. No, that's a good point. I feel like we've been talking in and around punk rock a fair amount already. <laughs> Absolutely, even, yeah. even what you were just saying, I'm like, this reminds me a little bit of, of punk rock as well. And when we got on this call, you can see into my office. I can see into your yeah. living room. Where are you? Exactly? Whatever this is. Whatever yeah, that room it's is. like a spare room kind of a thing. And so you saw that I have this Jay Ryan uh, poster for a Fugazi Shellac in the X show I saw in 2001 in Chicago. And you're, you recognize say, Jay's think- aesthetic, which I was like, whoa, that's amazing. No one has even pointed that out. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I did hesitate because everyone else, their Zoom backgrounds like books. And I'm like, right. I don't, I don't look smart. I just have a poster. But you, oh, I mean, you look smart to me. <laughs> you know? So, so, uh, so you have some relationship with what? Jay Ryan, Fugazi, Shellac. What is yeah. your, what is your Chicago, connection to punk? All those things. Yeah, I mean, my connection. You know, so I lived in Chicago from 07 to about uh, 2012. Oh. And so, I, like, and I really wanted to live there really bad, like, for music reasons and just general reasons. And I had a Jay Ryan Reckless Records shirt that I only recently got rid of, like, because it was just beat to hell. Like, I'd cut the <laughs> sleeves off. I might actually still have it. I might actually have been like, I can't get rid of this. I've had too many t-shirts in my life. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, I I mean, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and, like, that. that's a... Uh, Rust Belt Town, and it also had you know some punk rock and music. Like Stiff Records was uh, had a lot of bands from there and stuff, but it wasn't super active when I was growing up. But you know, you live in a town like that where there's not a lot to do, you tend to pick up punk rock and skateboarding and all those things, all the things because you're mad, and so yeah. those help with your anger. And uh, it took me a while to get into like Fugazi and stuff, but like in high school is like where I got into them, and it just like hit me, you know, and like I didn't. I didn't like study them. We didn't have, the, I didn't have the internet really. So it was like right. not, you know, it was just, just through listening to it and then getting instrument and like rewatching it just literally day after day after day after day. And I wa- rewatched instrument recently with my partner who had never seen it, who's like younger than me. So it, it's just like, we're just barely a generation. We're, yeah. we're not a generation apart. We're both millennials, but like there's just certain things that it's like, oh yeah, I, you don't know what I'm and I don't know what you're talking about you know which is cool it's like a lot of fun actually to get to see things through somebody else's eyes and I rewatched that and like I just it just blew me away Mm -hmm. (laughs) it honestly blew me away to watch it now I rewatched it six weeks ago uh, it's on Amazon that's probably when I watched it yeah I just no way yeah wow it's on that's well I had it on (laughs) DVD sorry we moved from Ontario to Alberta so my DVDs are all in well, actually, no. Yeah. Now that I found them, but I just haven't. Whatever. So it was on. Of course, yeah. I, it was on Prime. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, yeah. Instruments on Prime. So I, I watched That's it. That's shocking. And I actually, <laughs> I started to watch it again. I, I, it's actually yeah. in midstream from the second time I want because it's addictive. It's really well made. Uh, and yeah, uh, Jim Cohen, amazing filmmaker. All those people involved are incredible. So. Uh, anyway, sorry. Instruments, fantastic. That's yeah. No, you're good. That's amazing. Have you seen? Uh, did you get a chance to see them ever? I, and I don't know what happened to it, but I ha- had a ticket to go see them in Louisville, Kentucky in the Argument Tour. Yes. And it was like a letterpress ticket, and uh, I believe the shipping news was opening for them. Mm-hmm. And I did not go. Oh. Because of like personal things that were uh. happening. 
And I, you know, that is, that is a regret of my life that I did not go to that. That is, that is the one, but I, I guess I've, and I read, uh, Razor Cake Zine. There's an article or there an interview with Guy in there that I highly recommend if you can get your hands on a copy of that. It's not online anywhere. Okay. Um, but it it's really awesome. I mean, that guy's you know fifty years old. Yeah. <laughs> it's like to read him talking about it and like talking about like all the things that you know that they did as a band. Their like practice as a band. Their just cultural practice. He was like that was never meant for anybody else to do. That was just for us. Right. Right. <laughs> and he, even just that, I like that was not present in my experience of them. I thought, oh, they were doing this because they think everybody's got to be like them. And like that just like blew me open, you know, now to be like, oh, this was just for them to make the thing that they made for there, us to experience. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like this happens with certain politicians where if they're viewed as righteous or sorry, they get mm-hmm. kind of painted as righteous because yeah. they're saying something logical. Uh, yeah. And it, Can you it, give me an, a specific example? Well, I don't know what your feelings are on, say, Bernie Sanders or Ralph Nader <laughs> or yes. There's just certain people who have been sort of vilified for saying sure. things that, to me, I mean, you know, again, whatever your opinions are of those people, Fugazi, uh-huh. I would include them as well. Like I found Fugazi in high school as oh, yeah. well, and I was. Someone who didn't drink, uh, still don't, you know, didn't do drugs and, and all that stuff. But, but, the, and so there was a lore around them, like you're saying. Oh, yeah. The yeah, music yeah. was one thing. And I got to see them, luckily, seven, eight times where, where That's I've amazing. become friends with them. You know, Guy and I will <laughs> just text about basketball. He's a super, they're just super oh, sweet, nice people. That's so cool. And that was not, but like, I think one of the reasons we got along is because as an interviewer and as a fan, I didn't uh, put them on a pedestal of like, I need mm. to, or when I, we hang out, I'm not like, so tell me about not drinking. Tell me about being vegan. <laughs> right, it yeah. was like, hey, what yeah. do we, well, let's talk about Norm MacDonald or some comedy thing. Like we just talk about whatever we yeah. want and uh, they're people. And so that's where, mm-hmm. when Guy says that, what I hear is we were people doing our thing and we we didn't view <laughs> ourselves, sure, you know, I think they inadvertently led by example with their business practices with the way Definitely. they respected you and me as audience members, like just the ticket price thing mm-hmm. alone, but all of it got made fun of or satirized. And and right. I think that happens with people who are making sense a lot. Like, wait a minute, I we agree. can't do this, we can't do this. You know, again, I don't know what, do you, sorry, I know that I there's a strain of people who dis, really dislike Bernie. Are you a Bernie oh, person? No, I, you, well... I mean, I guess it depends on your definition. Am I a Bernie person? You know, yeah. uh, I, I would say there was a time where he frustrated me. Yeah. And then I investigated my own issues. You know what I mean? <laughs> or sure. like, I, I think he's a human being who has failings. And there are some things that he's done and said that I still am like, yeah, I disagree with that. Sure. If I ever agreed with a human being 100% of the time, I would question that. You yeah, know what absolutely. I mean? Like, yeah. please, God, make some mistakes. You know what I sure. mean? Because like, yeah. everyone is fallible. We're all humans. Um, and I think, you know, he has shortcomings as like a white man, but I don't know that that is the pervading that that's not like, I respect what he's done. Like I've begun to understand what he's done. I think that it has had a tremendous effect on, you know, politics in this country in the next generation. So I cannot, and, and, and it's not about one person, 
You know what right. I mean? Like, that's the thing. So it requires everyone. And I think there are some times where that guy can get a little self-righteous, you know? Yeah. But that's not every time. That's not yeah. every time. And it's like, yeah. fuck, I don't care if you're self-righteous about something that's good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> if it's about helping some people. Um, because, like, you look at the... the it, it, I just watch the wheels turn now, and you watch... In American politics right now, the conflation of Neera Tandon and Deb Havland is killing me on a daily yeah. basis to yeah. not comment on it and tell people how wrong they are about yeah. this. Yeah. But everybody has to come to their own conclusions on their own time. You know, fair. that's fair. Yeah, it, it, but I I also see what you're saying. You know, it's like, it, it, but I think about that guy with the on the inauguration day with the the meme and the chair and the sitting and the thing, and it, it was just like he. Here is the thing. It comes from inside. Like you said with the band, it comes from inside. Yeah. It's an internal thing. And when yeah. you see it, you know it. Yeah. And you can't explain it. Yeah. And I do think that we do not give, you know, women, people of color, indigenous, black people, like queer people, that obfuscates that authenticity exactly. in our culture. Exactly. In our society. Yeah. And so that is what we are fighting against. You know, yeah. it's like what I just said can also be so easily twisted into identity politics. And that's also not what I mean. No, I, I didn't. <laughs> you know? I, I like, didn't take it that way. I just. Oh, I don't think you did either. Yeah. That was just like for the listener where it's like now I feel like there's this reactionary thing on the left that anytime you talk about your identity in any way, uh, identity politics. And it's like, right. that's not what we're doing. You know, it's not what we're doing. Well, <laughs> uh, and to the some of the examples I cited, I think there is an inclination to undermine people. By claiming they have, you know, selfish reasons or there's some ego involved. Like that was a thing I heard from people when I was into Fagazi when they were active. Like, oh, that they think right. they're so they they're so self-important. I'm like, what? I right. don't get it. Like they're not asking anyone to do anything. They're just doing something on their own terms. They're charging eight dollars. <laughs> what is the problem? Like I people find problems in people's act actions. Like they want there's just yeah. a certain breed of cat that wishes all of us would shut the fuck up and not do anything. And <laughs> I, I know I, yeah. you can't do anything right. So that's why I'm like, no, yeah. like it meant a lot to it's me. It's authoritarianism. Yes, it is. It, but it's become it this. Is. And, it, and it can be on either side of the aisle because there is no aisle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, I just I think that I, I think that people on the right, the GOP, the, the right wing has they're they're uh, naturally authoritarian. However, it, it pervades. It's everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a Rick Perlstein thing where he's like, GOP, the GOP is authoritarians, which is why the hypocrisy, all this stuff, that's why that works. Right. Because it's, it's not about, you know, somebody, I think Dave Weigel said something like, oh, you never hear, you know, the, the Republicans saying we need a strong Democrat party. It's like, because they don't want one. Right. <laughs> they have no interest in that. They would prefer there not be one. Right. You know, they would prefer yeah. that there's one Democrat in all of government so they could just play with that toy yeah. and do what they want. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, now I'm getting a little bit far off. No, field. no, I, I, I appreciate this conversation and I know we went in all sorts of directions and uh, I'm I, into it. I appreciate it. So that <laughs> I, I do want to ask you, like you made a record uh, pre pandemic, a stand up record. Yep. Uh, yep. What was it like even revisiting that for this re release, like this time when we could do that? Because I've spoken yeah. to other people who made things like this prior to, and it's it's kind of an interesting perspective to be like, oh, yeah, that thing we may never really get to do again is just, I yeah. luckily captured this one. What was it like for you to revisit this, this set? Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt 
uh, a, a ton of gratitude that I even had. I actually had multiple sets too, which is oh. usually what you do when you're putting out a record. You know, you record like at least two shows, then you've got some options for versions, and you can run a couple different jokes and all that stuff. And so I had done a weekend in Denver, and they will record like any you can. They'll record all of them. Yeah. This is a thing that they do at like clubs or whatever, and then they give you the option of like which ones do you want? You can have all of them. What do you want? You know, video whatever. And so I had luckily asked for both of Saturday night, and so I had two versions. And uh, my friend Ryan McMenamin over at a special thing was like totally down for it. And I started the process of like reaching out to him pretty early in the pandemic. So if my memory, the experience of my memory is correct, like listening to it, it still didn't feel like this far off thing. You know, right? I still had this like when I was re-listening, it was probably like. May, mm. you know, this past so May, it just this past like May, May 2020 kind of the thing. T- 2020, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, when I did it, it didn't feel like, oh my god, when will I ever? It was kind of like, oh, that, that this was so recent, and you know, like, I didn't feel that sort of bittersweetness, but it did, it was still like a great experience to like hear people laughing again yeah. and like go back to that moment. And that show, I guess, some, something that I'm just really grateful for about it is that I. I recorded something without the intention of it ever going out. Oh, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm so grateful to have gotten to do that because I, I probably wouldn't have done it otherwise. Yeah. So you're talking about like silver linings with the pandemic. It's like, I've been holding on to that material for like a couple years, right? Like feeling like it wasn't this, it wasn't that. And just like some negative self-talk keeping me from just putting it out. And so luckily this happened and it gave me an opportunity to go like, these people had a good time listening to this. Yeah. I think more people might. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is like something I, the, I've worked on these jokes for a couple of years. So like, let's put them out there, see how it goes. And that was like a cool thing that I got to do. And it felt a little bit like I got to put out like a punk rock record, like put out a bootleg of just like, you know, ah. like I, I got one of the Fugazi like shows that they have on Discord. I got the Akron show. Oh, cool. So I was like, I got to listen to this. Yeah. And it felt a little bit like that. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, this that wasn't the intention. The intention was not to like put out this polished, perfected thing. It's actually just a stand up show, which I feel like and I've gotten this back from a lot of people of like getting to experience that again without it feeling unsafe or like I it shouldn't have been happy. You know, it's just like. Uh, this little time machine, you know, this little time machine to just remember, you know. This, the subtext, I guess, of what you're saying is psychologically, if you know you're recording and filming a set, you're different. You're altered yeah. a little bit. You're heightened on 100%. some level. And this yeah. was just, uh, I guess, another night on tour, so to speak? Pretty much. I mean, yeah. it was Saturday night at one of the best comedy clubs in the country. So I definitely was like... You know, going into it with that level of like, you know, this game is face. cool. This you had your is, game face on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, if you've listened to it, I come out pretty blazing. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> with some like energy, which I never would have done at a at a recording because I would have handpicked my opener and I would have known exactly who they were. And, we'd, you know, all this stuff would have been, which is cool. You know, all that stuff is cool. But this was just such a different experience of stand up at least for me i'll say that where like well, you you actually say that like hey i denver <laughs> i never do a set like this like and i wasn't sure <laughs> if you were being sort of you know just a little bit of crowd patter kind of you know like you're the <laughs> yeah. best crowd ever but you you do say that and you do make fun of all the straight you know white comedians <laughs> that are on the bill like it's very funny but i never it never occurred to me 
that, you know, that's just happenstance on some level. Like there's something about yeah. this release that is a little happenstance. It's a gift, I guess. Uh, in yeah. the moment. Yeah. Oh, it's, it truly is a gift. It was yeah. like a totally just a moment. Yeah. So you were talking about maybe wrestling a little bit with the material and what it says about <laughs> you. And, you sure. know, these are jokes. I'm not sure about them. So in finally releasing this, because that's a thing I experience all the time. You put out a thing. It has a new, it fills you with a new spirit. You're working on it. You're working yeah. on it. And then when you sort of let it go, you feel different. And maybe you have regrets and all these sorts of things. But did you turn a corner with the material? I mean, obviously, you got to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to release this. I'm okay mm -hmm. with it. But now that it's out, uh, have you kind of reconciled these like uh, feelings? Like, I'm not sure how I feel <laughs> sure. about what I was oh, saying. Oh, no. I mean, I... I feel good about it, you know, yeah. like I haven't, I haven't really uh, like re-list, I listened to it a couple times before we put it out, so I haven't really like re-listened to it since I put it out, but I know that there's still like jokes in there that I would love to keep growing, because I, I just don't, I just don't subscribe to the idea in comedy specifically that like once it's released, it's dead, you know, I just don't, yeah. I just don't think that's how art works you know <laughs> and like i even yeah. make fun of com my own comedy as not being art but i totally believe that it is but that's not how music works no that's it's not, like it's almost know. it's not how almost any other <laughs> art form works you listen to no, a song a hundred times and yeah you play it a hundred times if you're the artist at least so yeah, yeah it's it's a conundrum i would and think. that was kind of like one guy's idea like definitely a lot of people believe it and a lot of people agree with it and they get to do whatever they want that's the thing. Yeah. They get to do whatever they want. Right. I also get to do whatever I want. Now, am I going to put out an album that's the same jokes from start to finish? Absolutely not. But I've had enough feedback in my short time as a comedian who uh, people have listened to to have it reflected back to me that people enjoy hearing things that they already know and hear it differently. Yeah. Like, yeah. do I want to tell the same joke for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. Yeah. Am I going to be the same person Kinda. So, like, I'm going to have new experiences of old things yeah. that are, I mean, I have continued to talk about gender on in all of my jokes because it's something that I continue to experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, it's not done, you know? <laughs> like, and, and I just feel like there's definitely some jokes in there where I'm just like, cool, this is good. This was for that record. That's cool. Whatever. And then there's stuff that I'm like, I'm open to it. And then it's the letting go of a lot of it and the letting go of all of it yeah. that like lets the new stuff come in. Yeah. That is what I feel like I'm more into it than saying it's all like dead and done or whatever. No, that's good. Yeah. This whole, like I need a new hour every year thing seemed <laughs> unrealistic and a lot of pressure to put on people who are already, I think, I don't know. I don't mean to generalize, but comedians, I, I worry about comedians. Sure. Uh, yeah, you should. <laughs> they seem, yeah. Psychologically, I worry about them. Like we're laughing and it's good, but then you, there's pain and darkness there. And so, yeah. I can't help but think putting together a new hour every year. I mean, good lord, what kind of pressure is that? But that it's too it's it's honestly it's too much for everyone. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's the same. It's 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 the same thing as the Fugazi thing. It's yeah. like you don't you don't take every, you don't have to take everything as gospel. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like yeah. you can just do what feels right for you and what works. You know, but that that's something that I've only recently begun to understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of the Fugazi thing was that there were no rules. There, the the rules shouldn't apply to everyone, and yet what we did, yeah. what a lot of people did, was like, no, you guys are into rules. 
Like we can't dance yeah, in your no. shows, and we're like, no, it's the opposite yeah. of that. Just be kind to people, be decent yeah. to people. Anyway, right? I want to. I want what they had was principles, not yes, rules. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's like it's very hard to human beings. We tend to gravitate towards l- rules and laws and things like that. And yeah. like the more sort of heart focused <laughs> view is like principles, and you know, I just keep thinking of this one specific Fugazi lyric that I feel like encapsulates. Their whole thing, the American thing, and a lot of what we're talking about, which is mutilated in in a uh, instrument for I think comedic effect, but uh, I enjoy it when it pops up. The uh, uh, never mind what's been selling; it's what you're buying. Yes. you know, it's like yeah. that is it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like I can't. It goes back to what we're talking about with like fighting the GOP. It's like I it never mind what they're selling. What am I buying? Yes, you know, like what. What am I putting into it? Yeah. You know? And being mindful of blueprints, no pun intended, but being mindful <laughs> of that stuff. Like just, they got, I think there's certain people in our life that just ask us to think a bit more yeah. deeply about things. And some people resent it. Like when I think of all the anti-science yeah. stuff that we've been sort of talking about here, you're making me think. I don't want to think. I think what I think and that's enough. Right. Like you're putting, it's like school. Yeah. It's like everyone is rejecting sure. school on some level. And I don't mean that to be snobby, but I, I just, I don't know. Something's up there. And I, anyway, we're not going to fix it today. I do want to. No, we definitely <laughs> aren't. I, I do want to uh, wrap this up, but you, you invoked, uh, the fact that you're still talking about gender and in all our talk about mm-hmm. optimism and pessimism, uh, and where we're at as a people, this is going to be, hard to encapsulate but like how are you feeling about the way we're either finally addressing the phobias the issues the the prejudice does that give you any measure of hope that more people or do you feel sorry i should say that more people are yeah. becoming more sensitive to this being a little more uh open about talking about these things does that give you any hope oh 100 percent. i mean I think it's easy to focus on the negative stuff that's going on, the like the phobia that's happening, the bigotry that's going on. But it doesn't, you know, I just, I said, I was thinking last night because it's been the Twitter topic for like the past two days, you know, that's like the GOP, the right wing, whatever, the Christian extremism on the right, that's their new thing. That's their, they're doing the same playbook on transgender kids, specifically transgender girls now. And then interestingly on the left, they have a problem with trans guys, which is interesting to me, but uh, I don't need to parse that out right now, but the sort of uh, lawful assault on trans kids kids there it's the same playbook that they did with uh you know uh, uh, marriage equality it's the same playbook that they did with gays in the military it's the same playbook that they did with the aids crisis it's the same thing and then with women's libbers it's the same thing othering it's the same othering, thing i guess it was called yeah. in the, when i was in university i don't know if that's still the term sure but yeah i'm sure yeah, yeah. it still works <laughs> it's the same thing and they cannot get rid of us all you know, and that is the silver lining of the internet. Like the, the the thing that is being weaponized has also created a greater community for people that didn't otherwise have yeah. it. And so people are able to find themselves through others to seek answers in a way that they, we were not connected before. You know, mm. like I don't see queers, gender, whatever, you know, trans folks, non-binary people, you know, whatever gender queer in general you know like (laughs) outside of the normative mainstream gender binary uh, i got so descriptive (laughs) that i totally lost my train of thought with that but just like we didn't we i i i don't call it community because we're not all connected in a 
in one yeah. space. We are a population of people yeah. that exist within the the, popu- the greater population. Yeah. We have a connection that we did not have before because people pretend like this is all new. And it no, is it's not. cycles. As long as there's been humanity, it's been around. You know, like yeah. Adam and Eve are metaphors. They are not standards. Right. That's a good, <laughs> so, excellent way of putting um, it. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, this all comes down to who's the loudest in the room. You know, that's the thing. Who's the loudest on Twitter? It's always the the bigots are the loudest ones on Twitter because even the leftists love to retweet them and dunk on them. So Twitter is not real life. Real, This is real life. You and I having this conversation where not so much that we agree on everything. It's just that we are learning and understanding yeah. each other for an yeah. hour. <laughs> you yeah. know? We're talking about things we like and enjoy, things that are difficult for us and how we're getting yeah. through them. And we have a lot of similarities. And that is what's important. You know, that that is what gives me hope is that there are people who care, who are willing to understand, and they put that ahead of their own needs at yeah. all times. You know what I mean? Like everybody has needs and if we meet our own needs, then we can help others to meet their needs. And I feel like those are the quiet folks and that's where the things happen and how the change happens. And it's already happened. So it keeps happening and it's continued daily practice work, you know, because there's people who think they're this, that, the other thing, and they make transphobic jokes. They don't even realize it. So it's like, it's just a constant thing. It's just a constant thing. But I will tell you as a kid who, uh, you know, like as soon as I, like gender was a thing for me, as soon as I could remember, because people were telling me I was this thing, telling me I was a girl, and I was like, okay. And then the things I did didn't line up with the thing they told me I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, well, because this is what I want to do. And they're like, yeah. but you're a girl, so you can't do that. And then I'm like, okay, then I'm a boy. And they're like, no, you're not. You know. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> this is these are you're making this up and putting it on me. And yeah. I feel like. It can only get better. You know, we, we keep talking about it. We keep experiencing it. I mean, the fact that any place has an all gender bathroom is not something, you know, like I can go to, uh, not in a pandemic, but I can go to Burger King and order an impossible Whopper and go into an all gender bathroom. Yeah. That is not a thing that I ever thought would happen as a six year old gender queer confused child in the Midwest, you know? Right. So it's happening. <laughs> Nice. Well, I mean, that's really well said. And, and it fills me like that's heartening, frankly, to hear you say that. Um, and I appreciate it because, I mean, you also make fun of the clumsiness uh, on your record. There's a very funny bit yeah. where you encounter someone who asks very diligently about your pronouns, but then doesn't quite get it right in the Nail end. And, and I think that's a lot of what people struggle with. Like, I don't know what to yeah. say or and and it's it's ripe for comedy, frankly, like this little bit yeah. of confusion. But I also hope it's learning. Like I hope we learn from one hundred percent. Yeah, that's what I value in comedy. Is like I feel like yeah. it shines uh, a light on human behavior. And oh, well, you know what? I'm going to be more conscious of not being like that person <laughs> yeah. that was depicted in that joke or that. Per- you know. Yeah. So I hope that uh, translates uh, for other people. Aria, if people want to kind of keep up with you, follow you, so to speak, uh, where would you sure. like to where would you like to send them? And to learn about this uh, new record, which is called "Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootleg." Did I get that right? That's right. Okay, you good. nailed it. I get awesome. it wrong all the time. <laughs> um, I really, I am very proud of the title. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't like really understand <laughs> the connotation until you explained that it's kind of like a, a bootleg. Uh, yeah. 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 Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. And then I, I love people like use the bootstrap theory as like a real thing now, which is like so f- 
crazy to me. Oh, but yeah, it's, anyway. like a double, um, it's like a pun, too, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it is a pun. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah. Excellent, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, yeah. If, uh, no, you're good. You can get it pretty much anywhere. If you go to especialthingrecords.com, you can buy a pin. My friend Lindsay Jones that I went to grad school with, she did the artwork, which I love. It looks kind of like a zine or like a punk rock thing. She did the artwork for the cover, and then she also made this little pin that's just my name. That's like a cute little thing, little enamel pin. You can buy that for 10 bucks, and then you get the download there, and you can support you know, an independent comedy label. Or you can stream it on Spotify, Apple Music. I'm on Tidal, of all places, oh. Amazon Music, but pretty much, and Pandora, like pretty much all the places that you could find something I'm there. So you can nice. get that. It's also in the link in the bios of all of my social media, which is just at Rhea Butcher. I'm on Twitter too much and then sometimes never. Uh, and breaks. then Instagram, yeah. taking breaks, getting out yeah. of there. And uh, I do have a cameo if anybody's interested <laughs> I, in I don't. getting there, a little pep talk. Oh, is that what it is? I, I try to. Well, re- there's a thing that happened in recent years where there's a sitcom in India and oh. one of the characters is named Vish Khanna. And yeah. it's a woman. It's like a beautiful woman, I guess. And but yeah. she's conniving, and so people oh, course, kind yes. of love her and love to hate her. I guess love to hate her. Yeah. Anyway, my name, which was my yeah. name on all yeah, of the things, is name. now like I have to. I go. I'm like, I guess I should register for TikTok, and they'll say no. <laughs> there's already a Vishkana, and I, I have person. all. The, yeah, oh, I wow. have all the other Vishkanas, but now I now you say it, I'm like, uh. I should probably go register on Cameo so someone doesn't pretend yeah, they're you me. Yeah, should go or... get a Cameo. Anyway, <laughs> what is Cameo? You just talk to people? Is that how uh, it works? Yeah, it's like you can buy like a video. So you could, uh, people are sometimes like, hey, can you wish so-and-so a birthday? That right. here's the, They have these cats and, you know, they like your comedy. And so, you know, like it's uh, it's very, I, I it's like 25 <laughs> bucks or something like that. But it's like, it's a fun, nice thing. You know, nice. like I, I don't take it too seriously, but it is fun to do. Like it may, you know, it's nice to connect and wish yeah, people yeah. happy birthdays and nice. stuff. It's like, it, it's a it's a nice, fun thing. And I've seen I, it. I I've seen it. I charge on... an exorbitant yeah. amount or anything. It's so. funny, like Twitter will suck up all the other platforms like you'll see tiktoks on twitter yeah. you'll see someone's cameo yeah. i think somehow on twitter and then i'll yeah. be like okay i get it but i don't always go anyway so you've got to what is it yeah. still at Rhea butcher is your cameo is yeah that- i think so i think okay. if you just search my name you'll you'll find me okay. i'm on there so okay. yeah those are the things and then my uh podcast three swings is coming back uh like in the next week uh the first week of march so that is a podcast that is about baseball, but it's about other things. So come to that for, you know, insightful discussions about gender and politics and all this stuff, but also America's least favorite pastime. <laughs> <laughs> the conflation of, of baseball with just anything. That's a fascinating concept. Yeah. Is baseball, <laughs> is baseball universal? Is that a thing that everyone can relate to? Because my wife, she hates, does not like baseball. I like baseball. I don't watch I know. all of it. I like to watch the... I'm generally with sports now as I got older. I, we have two children and I'm busy. I don't, sure, I only, yeah. I, I, people are like, you're a bandwagon. Only watch the playoffs. I'm like, I don't know, man. There's too many of these games. Those are the most fun. Why would they, none of these low stakes <laughs> games? Life's too short. Yeah. So I can't. Life's too short to only care about coming in at the end. Look, this is the way I look at the playoffs. <laughs> Those are the most fun things to watch. Yeah. Bless you if you come in and even watch those. Yeah, I do. You know what I mean? I like do. most people come in in the elimination game of the World Series. So like you're already ahead and and bless them too. Yeah. Like come in when feels right for you. This my thing with baseball is I just like to watch the whole season to see how we get there. And I just get that added benefit. Nobody's less than because they're coming in late. I don't give a shit. Come in whenever you want to come in and enjoy it with me. Do you have <laughs> you a know? lot of do you have a lot of guests on your baseball podcast? 
I try to. I got kind of like I wouldn't say lazy with it, but I just it's it's usually just me talking for like an hour about baseball and other things. <laughs> but I do have uh, guests occasionally, and it is easier to get guests these days in the pandemic because everybody's so used to Zooms and everybody's so used to doing stuff from home now. So I w- I would like to have some guests, and I do have many episodes with guests. So there's okay. there's a lot of you can it, some of it is timely, but I don't think if you jumped into an old episode. It, it, it's worth it. Like I talk about things that are general and they can be universal in the moment, even if I'm doing a rundown of like what's going on in baseball that week, especially when I have a guest. Yeah. I broached this because, uh, uh, one person I've had on, on like I've developed a relationship with them and they've been on the show once a year, at least this, this particular podcast, yeah. I make sure they're on once a year and they love baseball. We end up sometimes just talking about baseball for half an hour. Oh, I love it. And, uh, of, Wait, of the it? chunk. And his name is Steve Albini. Oh, I'm yeah. wondering if I can connect you. Would you want to have Steve oh, on your podcast? I would love to have Steve Albini on my podcast. Is he a Cubs fan? Uh, when we, I don't think, no, he's a Sox fan. Oh, good. I yeah, remember I, the I two guessed. years before they won the World Series. He he was on, I think, this show, or I was maybe with him in Chicago, and he was like, ah, the fucking Cubs. Hate the oh, Cubs. 20, I think yeah. he said that. I don't want to put words in his mouth. <laughs> sure, Because yeah. we went to Wrigley Field. I was there with, uh, uh, do you know the band Fucked Up? Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were recording at Electrical, not with Steve, but Steve was kind of hanging around. So I was with them just sort of making some stuff like... Uh, journalism <laughs> i was making yeah, yeah. journalism was with making fucked journalism up. yeah and anyway course. we josh from the band's like i got us uh tickets to see the cubs it was great i went to wrigley field and it was before like i am used to going to stuff at the oh, sky yeah. dome or the rogers center in toronto or when i lived there and uh horrible just music and like commercials oh, yeah. and oh and then wrigley was like nothing I there know. was like a guy they, like they, oh, you should check out henry's too. henry's insurance yeah, Go, like it was that's it, like some Henry down the street. Yeah, and I was like, "This is amazing. This is ideal." I anyway, I went to a game in like oh seven, yeah, oh seven, and it was like going to a game in nineteen oh seven. It's it was nuts there, and they've completely <laughs> it. changed it now. I know, but, I've heard. You know, yeah. At least we got to do it when we did. You know, yeah. I went in thirteen or fourteen, twenty thirteen, mm, twenty fourteen. Yeah. I can't remember. But all this to say, if you like, and I'm putting this on the record because it's on the show, I can reach <laughs> out to Steve and connect you. Oh and- yeah, I would love that. Okay, I'll I'll look That'd into this. Uh, I'll look into this after the uh, call. I'll send him a text or something. Awesome. But for now, I have a, a favor to ask. Can we go out on a yes. track from your record? Uh, <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I tend sure. to I tend to play songs or comedy bits from people if they're on the show. Is there one that you can think of that would make sense oh. for the end of the show? A lot of pressure, I know. <laughs> oh man, I mean, it's a hard decision, but I feel like because we already talked about it, let's do the gender stuff. What do you think, Vish? That seems like a good call to me. It's a, a funny, okay. a right. profound bit, I suppose, and we talked about it <laughs> as a learning. It's a learning experience it. for everyone. Yeah. This is Gender Stuff <laughs> uh, by Rhea Butcher from their new record, Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootleg. Rhea, this was a tremendous pleasure, and I, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for your time, and best of luck with everything Vish, in the future. I, oh. I had such a great time, and I would love to come back, and I would love to have you on my oh, podcast, too. Well, so, that would be sweet. That would be let's good. Let's do it. Let's keep talking. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I do use I, I use they, them pronouns. Cool. <laughs> in L.A., people stand up and applaud and carry me out. It's great. I love it. Everywhere else, they're like, fuck you. I don't even know what you mean. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
started using they them pronouns mostly because I want people to really question whether they want to talk to me or not <laughs> keeps everybody at a safe distance and I'm like what do I say I'm not gonna can I say hi anymore I don't know uh, what later <laughs> as soon as I made that I used to I was going for like all pronouns because that's what everybody was using anyways you know <laughs> I was like might as well just go for it then as soon as I was like alright I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with one go they that pronouns all of a sudden people saw me as like a lady again I was like this is very confusing because honestly my look it, uh, my gender identity is just do you work here that's really <laughs> that's the most accurate one. I mean, I'm not going to drink out of this thing. I just bring it because it completes the look. You know? <laughs> People always ask me that shit. They're always like, you work here, right? <laughs> My answer is always no. And nine times out of ten, their answer to that is are you sure? <laughs> well, I do come to this Target a lot. And my answer to are you sure was no. Should you be asking me any more questions? I don't think I'm going to help you out. Realistically, my gender identity is the and, and ladies and gentlemen. This is just always, always there, even when I'm not. Hmm. But yeah, somebody, I was walking down the street and I sneezed. And this dude across the street goes, Let it out, sister! And I was like, first of all, I am an only child. So, let's just keep those thoughts to ourselves. <laughs> I went to a gas station to uh, buy a bottle of water. And I, you know, processed all that shame. Because I was like killing turtles by buying a bottle of water or whatever. I forgot that thing, and I was like, whatever. Did some prayer cycles and all that shit. There's also like 50 brands of water to choose from. Like, what the hell's happening? CBD-infused water. Like, <laughs> Do you want to fall asleep while driving? Try, <laughs> Try Nirvana water. So I chose my water brand, and then I put it up on the counter. And the dude behind the counter, he goes like, all right, that'll be 209, ma'am. And I was like, okay, I'm reading as a lady right now. It's weird. This general contractor look is reading like a lady. I guess that's feminism or something, probably. All right, I'll look on the bright side of this. Just let it flow right through me like this Nirvana water that I just bought. So I give him a $5 bill, and then he goes, here's your change, sir. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, brother. <laughs> I mean, I prefer that mid-season change, you know. Just court, just do your thing, man. You know, and to like a faux woke person that like accosts me at a party before they even know my name, like what pronouns? What pronouns do they use? What pronouns do they use? What are your pronouns? What are your pronouns? Uh, they them. She uses they them. She uses they them. This woman uses they them. She uses they them. She's very brave. <laughs> that was a great response. Oh, yeah. Tell it. Sing it. 
Uh. Oh boy. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, my love. And thanks to Rhea Butcher for appearing on this, the 604th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about, you're looking for it, and you don't know where it is, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. If you're still on Facebook, you can follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation. $6 or more grants you access to exclusive content uh, that I try to put up at least monthly. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, I still have uh, some available in uh, various sizes and two colors. Uh, you know, if you'd like one of those, please message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. I should point out, supplies have lasted a lot longer than they maybe should have. I just haven't really been doing a great job of moving these t-shirts and now... I'd like to offer them as gifts uh, in exchange uh, for cash. This is like a sort of a Norm MacDonald joke, I guess, I just made. But you know what I mean. If you donate to Patreon, at the least I can do it beyond m- making lots of free podcasts for you and then giving you other stuff is give you a T-shirt. Why not? You need to wear T-shirts. It's the weather's getting warmer. Anyway, patreon.com slash creative control. More information about all that. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, live at MasseyHall.com for their support of the show. You can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists at uh, live at MasseyHall.com. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Also thanks to Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, some music of his on the program. Jim is a very prolific and gifted musician. Uh, you you may be hearing if you if you're listening close you can hear his music in the background as I'm speaking to you uh, right now you should uh, go to jimguthrie.org to learn more about Jim it's it's fun to learn things about Jim and and listen to his music it's really interesting jimguthrie.org and finally thank you thank you for listening to this episode with Ria Butcher it was a real thrill to have Ria on the show I hope you enjoyed what they had to say. And uh, we found a lot of common ground that I didn't even expect. I knew I enjoyed their comedy, and I knew I enjoyed their 
uh, social media stuff. I enjoyed their outspokenness. I did not know we would find such common ground with punk rock and, and other things. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm really grateful to Rhea for making time. So thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you tell your friends about it and the show generally. Consider subscribing to the podcast and, you know, asking your friends to check it out. Maybe do the same. Spread the word about it. And uh, if you can do that, that would be great. Thank you very much. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now.